Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life podcast and I'm your host Avay. So here in this podcast we explore the power of the mind in creating a fulfilling and successful life. As your host and today we have a very special guest joining us. He is an empowerment coach with a passion for helping individuals unlock their full potential. So please welcome Dean So Dean it's a remarkable empowerment coach who works tirelessly with his clients to upgrade their thinking and achieve success in all areas of their lives. His unique approach combines a deep understanding of the mind and the power of the subconscious with a background in physical and sports rehabilitations. So Dean utilizes a diverse range of techniques including hypnotherapy EFT and psychic to help his clients overcome subconscious limiting beliefs that may be holding them back from reaching their goals. So with this I'll welcome Dean because it's a lot to uh, tell about himself he's genius and there are a lot of things that I I don't think I'll be able to cover up so I'll I'll uh, I'll actually in uh, uh, like uh, over to you Dean like if you can explain like about yourself how you feeling today and your journey Yeah no thank you Abby thank you for having me on the show um so my background I I started in personal training. I started working with a physical body. So I traveled on cruise ships for 3 and 1/2 years around the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, working with a lot of American clients. So that's kind of really how I kind of got into the kind of high kind of health fitness mindfulness kind of um area. So for me and then when I came back to London in 2000, I kind of got into rehab. So I trained with as a teacher in the US called Paul Check, very holistic based, um and I did a lot of his kind of studies and I kind of realized that actually working with the body is really important but in a in a unique way because often when we look at an injury, so my background is actually working with uh, sports injuries as you mentioned. And when we look at of injuries, a lot of things which we were treating the symptoms, not the cause. So through my studies I actually learned to look at the whole body as a holistic model. True. So not not just not just the physical body but also the mind how they interact with each other. And over the years I realized actually my clients they were getting better through the physical work I was doing 
but they would always sabotage it in one way or another. And I realized actually it was their mind, what they were holding on to about maybe what caused injury, what was going on in their life was always then sabotaging what was happening to them. When we started addressing the, the mental emotional aspect of it, that's when clients started getting better quicker. Because I realized actually the mind for me was a, a kind of almost like the key to unlocking a lot of our, of our problems, especially on a physical level. So for me, I, I then kind of shifted more now to where I am now as an empowerment coach, working with the mind because I believe, yes, the physical body is important, but for me, the mind is, is where the magic's at. The more you can work and understand with the mind, I think the more you can heal a lot of your physical problems as well. For me, for example, if I see problems on one side of the body, so the, the, the right side of the body is the masculine, the left side of the body is the feminine. If I see a, a history of uh, injuries or conditions on one side of the body, nine out of ten times that goes back to an, a mental emotional um, issue that they're holding on to and once that's resolved then the physical then can, can can then be dealt with so for me i still look at the physical but for me the mind is is where i love to play and that's why you know that's why i do what i do that's great that's really and i guess it's it's a huge i i, I would say we should actually applaud for this it's a huge thing and thank you um as you have mentioned about the mind, which is the most important part of our body. So my question to you will be like, can you explain like how mindfulness practices can benefit relationships and enhance our connection with others? Yeah, I mean, mindfulness means to be aware, which means you need to be aware of yourself. But you also need to be the, aware of the world around you. And unfortunately, we live in a, such a fast-paced world nowadays where we're online all the time or we're interact, wanting to interact with people or things so much that we're not actually taking the time to be aware of ourselves, but also aware of, our, of the world around us. So for me, mindfulness is about slowing down, about actually doing less rather than doing more. So for me, there are two states of mind. There is a, a being state and there's a doing state. Too many people spend too much time doing and not enough time being. When we're being, we allow ourselves then to become into a state of mindfulness, where we we, we we become more aware of what's going on in our mind, what's going on in the world around us. So for example, if you go to a coffee shop and all you do is just sit and watch, you will observe so much. You know, I, I do this on a regular basis because for me, if I want to understand people, I need to observe people. And the more you watch people and you watch their habits and their behaviors and the way they interact with each other, the more you understand actually how human beings um, kind of think and actually what's important to them and what's not important to them. So for me, mindfulness is about bringing yourself back into a state of awareness by being I suppose still quiet. So meditation obviously is a standard practice for that. But for me, it's also not just about that. It's also about being able to walk down. So in London, where I'm based, it's being able to walk down the busiest um, shopping street, Oxford Street in London, and not being uh, triggered by the people around you. Because it, it can be quite a busy street, for example. So it's being able to walk down a, a busy street like that and not be triggered um, by the people around you or the sirens going off from a police car or whatever. For me, that's what true mindfulness really is. For me, it's, it's a state of mind, not a state of being. Wow, that's that's really, really interesting. Like, wow. And uh, like, what would be the, some specific... Uh, mindfulness techniques or maybe exercises again tell that individuals can incorporate into their daily lives just to for a meaningful uh, relationships yeah i think 
one of the easiest and best ways of doing this is journaling. So taking time each day in the morning, in the evening, during the day, whenever it feels right for you, is to write down what is on your mind. Okay. See, when whenever if, if our thoughts are just going around in our mind over and over again, we've got no, they've got nowhere to go. Hence, why we get high rates of depression and anxiety because people don't know how to deal with their thoughts. Now, if you can then move your thoughts from your head down onto a piece of paper or even type it out onto your computer, now you're shifting the energy of of that um, thought or those kind of groups of thoughts that you have. So, for me, journeying is probably one of the easiest ways of doing this. Another thing is then just talking. Again, especially when it comes to relationships, being able to talk and also have someone who's who's happy to listen also is so important. You know, that's why coaching, why do um, therapy has grown so much over the last few years is because people want to talk. You know, as human beings, talking, communication is such a big part of who we are. So for me, any kind of form of communication, writing, speaking, um, will always actually help you become more aware of what's going on in, in your thoughts, what's going on in your head, even what's going on in your life. Because as you write these things out, as you speak them out, you start to notice patterns. And obviously, if, if, you're, if you're in a conversation with someone else, like a coach or a therapist or even a friend, doesn't really matter. They can also then give you insights into other things that they're noticing. Again, you're, you've got a different opinion. I remember hearing about a, a CEO in the US who would once a month have dinner with people who had a different opinion to him. Because it, for him, he wanted he wanted to challenge his own beliefs. He wanted to see, you know, what else, you know, here's how I think. But what if I, how I think is actually wrong? Again, you know, this is the thing about journaling everything. It doesn't mean that we're, we're saying that what I'm thinking is right, but I've got to challenge my own beliefs. So he would do this once a month where he would actually have people to dinner who had a whole different way of thinking to him. And through that process, he actually changed his thinking on certain topics because he realized actually I was too narrow-minded in the way I was thinking about it. When someone gives you a different perspective, and this is for me is why these simple practices like writing and talking are probably a, a great foundation for people to just kind of start working on their mindfulness rather than even thinking about meditation because I find a lot of people struggle with meditation because they, they struggle to go, okay, what am I meant to be doing? Or you don't have to do anything. That's the thing with, med- with meditation. But I think there's a lot of pressure on people thinking that meditation is the only way of being kind of mindful. For me, actually, I think journey and speaking are probably better ways of doing that, I think, for most people, rather than just sitting there and keeping the mind quiet. Okay. That's, that's, that's true as well. Like, so uh, so uh, what you uh, say, like, uh, suppose if you're sitting idle and if you're just, how can we train our minds that, uh, or maybe some thoughts are coming in and uh, I want my focus to be just on one thing. So, uh, anything you want to suggest, like what one can do? Because most of us, I I believe, uh, we lose focus, and that is the main reason of all this uh, nuisance happening, or maybe ch- challenges coming in, problems coming in. So, how can we focus? Like, how can we train uh, ourselves? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like I said, mentioned, you know, we live in a world where we're constantly looking for stimulation, which is basically when it comes back to the brain, we're looking for dopamine fix. We're basically looking for some kind of reward for what we're doing. So we're constantly seeking something in return for what we're doing. And the more we get into that kind of mindset, then the more we actually seek more and more. So this is why people become addicted to social media, to food, to drink, to drugs or to whatever. So really, a simple way is you need to 
kind of uh, capture mind at certain times. So, for example, a thought will only last for 90 seconds before it changes again. So um, t- two people who do some really good techniques. One <clears throat> is called Mel Robbins. Um, and so she has a simple technique called the five-second rule. So whenever you find yourself in a loop where you're struggling, you're feeling depressed, anxiety, anxious, or whatever it is, where you go is five, four, three, two, one. And that can be enough just to shift your mind from where where it's focused on something that it shouldn't be. It can bring it into another space. Now you, you're giving yourself enough space to um, think about something different. You go, hold on a second. No, I, that thought doesn't help me. Me thinking in a negative pattern doesn't work. So that five second rule is, I think, one of the best techniques I've seen around for a long time that helps to interrupt that. Anything that interrupts your pattern, like I said, Every 90 seconds, a new thought's coming in. If we don't interrupt the pattern, the patterns will keep running in the, in the same theme. So if you can interrupt your patterns by simple little things. So um, I've even seen like certain people that they put a, an, an elastic band around their around their wrist and they can just pull that. And again, that shifts them out of their mindset. So there's different ways that you can kind of interrupt your pattern. And the, the one other one is actually, this is more of a visualization for people who want to, create what they want in the world um and i'm just trying to remember the lady uh, it will come back to me who it is so basically for 17 seconds it's all this is all it takes to visualize something so when you're caught in a loop for 17 seconds i want you to focus on something positive anything maybe it's a family member maybe it's a friend maybe it's an experience that you had um a week ago or even 10 years ago the idea is for 17 seconds you you focus you visualize in your mind something that you kind of feel good about and again in the same way you're interrupting the pattern of the brain so that it doesn't get caught back up in the loop so that you can then consciously then decide do i want to go back into that same loop or do i want to now start thinking something different again everything in life comes back to choices we choose to think a certain way. So we have to use these different techniques to break those patterns because for the brain, it wants to save energy. It's easier to think negative negative about things rather than positively. So for the brain, it's always going to function on safety, security. Is there going to be danger? How do I save energy? I keep thinking about the same things that I always think about. Remember, we have, again, different people. I, I would say around about at least 40,000 thoughts per day. And 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts that you had yesterday. So most people are thinking about the same things over and over again. So really, it's about coming up on, on a conscious level, being able to interrupt your patterns and, enough so that you break those habits that you normally have. Wow. So that's that's a good technique. I would, uh, I mean, I really love like what you mentioned. Like if we if we follow like five, four, three, two, one. This is the this is the best thing. Actually, like actually, I liked it. So yeah. this shift our focus from whatever we are thinking and what we want to do. Uh, later. Exactly. That's that's a great thing. So uh, with this, like, um, my next question to you will be like, how can mindfulness like help us navigate challenging emotions and also conflicts within our relationships? So is there any specific strategies you can recommend, like, for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, first, we, got, we need to understand emotions and feelings. Emotions and feelings are the language of our soul. So, and the other thing is, is that we put our emotions and feelings into categories. This is a good feeling. This is a bad one. 
for me, as soon as you do that, you're not understanding feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotion is in a, lang- a language coming from your soul. So let's take anger, for example. If someone feels angry, it doesn't mean it's bad. It means something's wanting attention within you. So why am I feeling angry? So remember, the, the brain loves answering questions. So rather than going or allowing yourself to be angry, go, why am I angry? Because often a lot of our responses, or actually I would say reactions, are based on habit. So we get angry out of habit rather than actually going, why am I actually angry at is it actually right to be angry at this situation? Most people are not thinking that way. In the same way that with our, our good emotions, which come as well. Why am I happy? Do, do I actually recognize why I'm happy? With all of our emotions and feelings. So for me, it's first of all, we need to reframe how we think about our feelings and emotions. So again, like I was saying in, uh, in one of the previous questions, is, ask, is, is the communication. So in a relationship, being able to communicate to family members, to your partner or to friends, this is how I'm feeling. It's not saying uh, uh, a big part that most people struggle with. They, they, they make other people the reason why they feel a certain way. So I feel this way because you said this or you did this. For me, that's disempowerment. No one can make you feel a certain way. That's a choice. So if you want to be empowered by that, okay, what you said or what you did made me feel angry, for example, that's okay. But why am I, what am I really angry at? Again, once we get down to it, often people go, I'm not really angry. I was actually, I didn't, I was confused. It, we often, so, you know, for a lot of people, and actually I had a client, uh, for example, who, so anger was one of her main emotions. So what she did, whenever she got angry, she gave her anger a name. So the name that she gave her anger was a name of someone that she highly respected in her life. So every time she got angry, she, I, 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 let's just say that the, the name was Sarah, for example. So a simple name. So whenever she got angry, it's like, oh, Sarah, you're here. Why? And she goes, oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm, I'm actually in dialogue with Sarah, anger, in my brain and go, okay, so why are you here? What, what's your reason for showing up? And again, going back to the whole the whole mindfulness kind of theme, when we become aware of our feelings and emotions, it's easy to understand them, but also then easier then to, to communicate to other people, this is why I'm feeling this way. Because it's never other people who make us feel this way. We get triggered by maybe what they do or what they say, but how we feel is a, a subconscious reaction based on our past experiences being triggered by someone in the present. That's nothing to do with them, really, in most cases. That's normally to do, to do with us, with our subconscious beliefs that we're holding on to, where anger was triggered at some point early on, and now in every situation in, in the present, anger will always be triggered until we question it, until we go, but why am I angry? Does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely, I'd say. Good. Yeah, so for me, it's a simple way of being able to just kind of bring it back down and go, look, Feelings and emotions are not bad. They're the language of our soul. We need to understand them, but we need to take the time to actually understand what they mean. And actually, why do I feel this way? And again, going back to the journaling and talking, this is where we start to understand why we feel the way we do and why we have certain emotions, because we all have key emotions. So anger is a very common emotion. Mine's actually probably more frustration than anger. But if yours is anger, it's okay. It's okay to be angry, but also learn to build your relationship with your anger. Because then you understand why you're being angry when you're being angry. You go, okay, that makes more sense. Now I understand why I'm being angry. It's really nothing to do with the situation. The person is, I feel uncomfortable. 
in a lot of cases, it's something like anger. It's actually someone feels uncomfortable, they feel threatened. So the normal reaction is I need to respond in, 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 a, in a way that kind of defends myself. So for, that's where anger comes in for a lot of people. So for me, it's being able to understand the emotions that you have and then communicate them. And then your relationship changes with them over time. Perfect, perfect. I, I believe um, I, I really agree with you because um, so I, I, I'm just uh, completing my recent book, so which is uh, all about like the, the name of the book is I'm just disclosing here itself. So the name of the book is uh, Why Do We Feel Bad? So nice. basically, basically, I have covered these things mostly. Uh, not ex- exactly, but uh, most things I have covered. So a few things I would like to quote here. Like uh, I have covered few things like. It's basically it's now mind only how we are thinking, how we are uh, synchronizing things because things which we are uh, like uh, which which comes to our mind it's like we can't do these things. So so suppose there is a situation which is very hard or maybe challenging. So we think like we already uh, predefined it that no I can't do that. Instead yes. we can we can exactly think like yes I can do it. Yes, I can do it. Yeah. So these changes will actually help, and obviously, uh, maybe these are, these are some reasons. So I'll I'll definitely share with you um, the new book link and. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So uh, so that's it. But uh, yes, definitely, it's really uh, helpful what you have mentioned. Good. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love the whole concept of your book as well. I think it's it's again it's just reminding people that a lot of the, the ways that are thinking all stems from the first seven years of our life. If we haven't challenged what we believe and what we think about, then our brain will just keep doing the same thing over and over again. This is why we have to slow down. This is why we have to be mindful of what we're thinking about, what we're speaking about. But, you know, for example, when speak, people are speaking about other people, for example, saying this person is uh, did this, this, this person is this, this and this, whatever it is, your brain thinks you're speaking about yourself. So it doesn't know the difference between you speaking about someone else or you speaking about yourself, it's the same thing for your brain. So it's all these kind of things that we don't realize that we're doing, that we're sabotaging our own growth and development because we're allowing ourselves to keep thinking in the same way. So I, lo- I love exactly what your book's all about. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, 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 share, I'll share the link. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. So, so with this, like, uh, because you are the experienced person, so in your experience, like, how does mindfulness contribute to the development of empathy and compassion in relationships? And also, like, if you can provide some examples, like, how these qualities can transform our interactions with others? Yeah, I mean, I mean it goes back to what we're saying is when, when you start to reframe and look at how you're feeling and everything, you start to understand how people feel. Remember, everyone's got a story. We all have a story of our life. And again, if you don't know someone's story, then and you're judging them based. You know, one of my favorite quotes is um, what someone else thinks about you is none of your business. Because I realize unless you know someone's story, you don't understand why they are the way that they are. So for me in doing what I do is I've, I've learned to understand people. I've spent the time to observe people, to listen to people. You know, it's one, one of the biggest problems. Most people listen to reply rather than to listen to understand what someone's saying, right? So for me, it's, it's being able to kind of go, okay, why, why is this person this way? Again, in, in relationships, communication is a big problem. We, we, we Remember, 
again, a lot of this is already hardwired into our brain. Within four seconds of meeting someone, you've judged them. We're judging people all the time automatically without even thinking about it. Again, it's a safety and security mechanism within our brain, but we don't need to be doing it in the way that we're doing it now. So with every situation you need to understand is, why is this person acting the way that they are? Let me try to understand their story so I understand why they are behaving or speaking in a certain way. Once you understand that story, so for me, you know, like empathy is so much more important than compassion. That's just my way of looking because compassion for me is almost like saying, I'm sorry to hear what happened to you. Empathy is going, wow, what a great opportunity to change your life. So, for example, um, six maybe seven years ago, I had a client who got diagnosed with cancer and I've been working with him for a few years. And he sent me an email, just, just said, um, just to let you know, I've just been diagnosed with liver cancer um, and et cetera, et cetera. So my reply was, what an amazing opportunity, opportunity to change your life. Because the typical response to him from every, every other single person in his life was, I'm so sorry to hear this, you know, how can I help you? Which is again, for me, that's compassion. That's nice. But that's not empowering to people. For me, that's disempowering. It's saying, oh dear, this shouldn't have happened to you. It's the wrong thing to happen to you. For me, any disease, any, again, bad situation in life is always an opportunity to, to be empowered by it. So for him, he's when I first saw him after that, he said, you know, that was probably the best reply that I could get from everybody because it, it wasn't saying, look, oh, poor me because I've got cancer. You know, you've got to treat me a certain way. It's like, no, I want to learn from this experience. And he had a liver cancer, which a five year, I think anyone who survives more than five years, the percentage is very, very low. He actually survived seven years before he died. And it, it was purely because he wasn't thinking about, you know, the very typical example, especially for someone like cancer, is we've got to fight this disease. Already, you, you, you're putting your body into a stress state. If I'm fighting, it means I have to be in a stress state to do that. So for him, it was more a case of, no, I need to actually work with the cancer that, so that I understand what it is that it's teaching me. So for me, with all these situations, any situation in life is, is if you see a problem, you're missing an opportunity. So for everything, there's always a solution. There's always something that you can take from every situation. It's being able to understand what it is. And for me, when you come back to empathy, it's being able to understand the story of where that came from. If you understood this this person's story, he grew up, he was bedridden when he was younger because he had um, asthma problems. So he, he already had the resilience within him to deal with these kind of in, uh, illnesses. So when this one came, it wasn't a, cha a big challenge for him. He was thinking very, very different to the average person. And for me, that's what comes back to also having empathy for yourself as well, because we, we, we put ourselves down way too much sometimes. Hence why we sabotage our own kind of um, lives too much is because we don't believe that we're worthy of it. For me, most people are living the life that they're living rather than the life that they want. It's because they don't believe that they're worthy of living the life that they really want subconsciously, of course. So they think they're doing the right things, but subconsciously their brain is saying, no, you don't believe that. You're not worthy. You don't even feel like you want that. So first, always with empathy, have empathy for yourself. The more you do that with yourself, then the more you'll be empathetic with other people, right? Definitely. Definitely. This is, so self thing is the first priority, I would say. Yeah, definitely. So uh, like mindful communication is also a crucial aspect for any healthy relationships. So 
could you share some tips or tools for improving the communication through mindfulness like it will be easier yeah i mean remember our thoughts and words basically create the world that we live in so for me with the empathy with mindfulness how am i speaking to myself when i've done something wrong or my life's not going well most people go oh they, they they play so in if you're aware of um Carl Jung's archetypes so very typical ones are the poor me the the victim we often play the victim the poor me it's being able to catch yourself when you go into that kind of uh, way of thinking going you know what it's okay you've got this i think you mentioned it just before about with your book and everything it's reminding people is that when you're in a situation is that you speak to yourself in a way goes hey you've got this don't worry i don't know all the answers right now but the answers will come if we keep trusting that that the the right things will happen then i know something's going to change in the situation and again it's again it's not easy to do right this is a process you have to go again the brain needs repetition so we have to do this enough times so that your brain goes okay this is a normal way of thinking so for me i use techniques like psyche and the eft to kind of make that happen a little bit quicker but everything that you're trying to do you have to do it for repetition and going back to my experience in working with the physical body we found or the research showed if you wanted to create a new habit it would take normally around about 300 repetitions to do that but if you wanted to change an old pattern in in the nervous system it could take up to 3000 repetitions to change that so it just makes people understand that when you're looking to change old habits and behaviors it can take a long time sometimes to do that and that's often why people don't do the work long enough to get the changes that they want it means that you have to do this often for a very long time before you really i suppose start living and being that person that you're trying to become right so for me it's kind of like this is a process that we all have to go through it's just whether you're willing to put the work in to do it that's all thank you so with this yeah. one is also coming to my mind like you are also mentioning about the self self thing so how this self awareness uh, and uh, self care in cultivating the uh, successful uh, relationship so what's the what what is the role it plays and uh, also like how mindfulness complete uh, i mean contribute to self awareness and um, how can it integrate to self care practices in our own relationships dynamics Yeah, I think you know, for me, self-worth, self-love is what starts this whole process. So, um psyche one te- techniques I I use. So, the way it works is that we will muscle test. So, you put your arm out and we will muscle test. So, your body can't lie. So, it's called kinesiology. Um so basically if we test beliefs and two beliefs that I always test for every single client is I love myself and I hate myself. and in over 10 years of doing it i think i probably can count on one hand how many people that actually test a positive for i love myself and negative for i hate myself the majority of people test positive for i hate myself and test negative for i love myself or they test positive for both and the ones who normally test positive for both have normally done some kind of work on themselves so they've been doing some personal development work over a period of time maybe in different parts of their life but they're normally the ones who test positive for i love myself and i hate myself so for me it always comes back if you can't love yourself you can't love someone else as much as we can say i love you we're almost our brains going 
no, that can't be possible because you don't love yourself. How can how how you know? It's going back to the kind of the airplane analogy. You can't put a mask on. You, you need to put the mask on yourself first before you put it on someone else. So if you can't love yourself, then when you say I love you to anybody else, in a sense you're lying to yourself and you're lying to that person because it's coming from a place of not, or in a sense, a place of hate rather than a place of love. So for me, really, with if 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 we want to improve our relationships, we need to learn to love ourselves first of all. We need to make sure that we feel worthy you know even in intimate relationships most people don't feel worthy to be in the relationship that they're in they're in the relationship because they think it's going to help them or save them in some way rather than actually adding value to it you know this is why going back to like the communication a lot of people are not communicating because they feel if if i'm too honest in relationship this person may not like me they may not love me going back to the empathy right if, if 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 you have empathy for yourself and you have empathy for other people, hopefully you attract that. Remember, we we attract normally what we are. Ideally, again, on a soul level, we say no. There's certain lessons that we need to learn, but as a general rule of thumb, we attract what we are. So if you can learn to love yourself, there's more or higher chance that you attract someone who will love you also in a relationship. That then makes the empathy, the communication. The, the mindfulness a lot easier than to, to do. Remember, you can't be in a relationship where only one person's working on themselves. You need to be in a relationship where both people work. And this is not just intimate relationships. This is friendships. You know, my circle of friends around me or my closest fr- friends around me, they all do work on themselves also. So for me, that's really important. And again, in intimate relationships, I only want to be in relationships with people who are looking to upgrade themselves also. Because if only one person's doing the work, at some point, problems are going to show up in the relationship. It doesn't matter how much that work that person's done; they can't override the not the negative, but the the sabotaging behaviors of the other person, and it will ke- create a problem in in that relationship. So, for me, learn to love yourself more and more, and you'll attract more people around you who who love themselves also. That then makes it easier then for, for you to have better relationships. Again, with relationships is again you know it's a different because. We come from different cultures, right? So, in Indian cultures, um, very much is more um, stay stay in a relationship for a long period of time, right? Whereas the UK, that used to be, but now you know, you know, in the West, fifty percent of marriages ends in divorce. True. So that whole kind of mindset is shifting. Is actually what is a relationship again because we put so much pressure on that we have to be with one person again is it right or wrong it doesn't really matter if it works for you great if it doesn't work for you again there's there's a lot of pressure on people to make make it work so for me it's like if a relationship can help you grow and you can help that person grow also then that relationship should carry on but if your neither of you are growing in the relationship then I don't see the benefit of the relationship. And again, for me, this goes with family, with friends, with everybody. If you're both not adding value to the relationship, then the value of the relationship is already lost. So, yeah, I mean that—that's how I don't know. From, from I'd be interested to hear your kind of perspective. You know, coming from a different culture to my own. But but definitely, it's 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 the exact thing because if we are not both are not uh, benefiting or adding value to any uh, relationship, so uh, it means uh, it's only one sided. So yeah, definitely. So it's 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 true. It's true. Yeah, exactly. So I think again, it's being able to have you know going back to the whole thing about mindfulness and awareness. 
it's being able to have that awareness to have the conversation with someone saying look here's where i'm at you know even if we take it to intimacy in a relationship and again from my own experience i would say that the majority of relationships break down because there's a problem in the bedroom sure. because there's no it's one area where people don't do not communicate they're scared to communicate they're scared to say oh actually i, I like this i don't like this sure. so for me it's when we're talking about um, mindfulness in a relationship it's being able to be to do that in the bedroom which is where most people will struggle to do that sure. if for me if you can do that in the bedroom that will work in the whole in the rest of the relationship because that's probably the, you know that's where we're you know we're we're naked we're we're exposed to the other person so if you can be comfortable expressing who you are there for me it makes a big difference in the rest of the relationship exactly thank you so um, like as you have mentioned this so mindfulness is like often associated with uh, being present in the moment right so now how does this presence uh, translate into creating a deeper connection or maybe uh, intimacy with uh, within the romantic uh, relationships and yeah. uh, like in, in any specific uh, practices that couples can engage in together so have you heard of the the, the five love languages um maybe if you, if you can enlighten okay so it's it's an online questionnaire that you can do whether you're single or in a relationship and basically ask you questions and so basically we each have a uh, a dominant love language so for example it can be um physical touch so for some people they need hugs they need an arm around them whatever that's important for them for other people it can be words of affirmation they need from their partner but also from themselves so the love language is not just about for your partner but it's also for yourself what how do i make myself feel good so um the five love language again it's free it's a free question that people can do online it's a great one for, for people in relationships to understand what's important for the other person and obviously then for each other so uh one is like for example gifts um which i mean we joke sometimes but we say that's not me women love that one but i think there's men also like that one um but i think i think the two most common ones are um words of affirmation and physical touch the, 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 there's another one which is about having um time with that person so space them being in the same space um but for me the love languages i think is probably the one, one of the best tools i know for people in relationships because i think once you understand what's important to the other person and they understand what's important to you and you start applying that for me the level of the the relationship goes straight up straight away again you know we can also look at the masculine and feminine because there there's that interplay playing out between the masculine and feminine so within each of us we have the masculine and feminine but in a relationship is being able to for a man to surrender so if you look at the work of someone like david data mm-hmm. so a very a very simple technique for um couples to do is just again you can do this in the evening before you go to to sleep is that you just sit in front of each other and you just stare into each other's eyes there's no communication you just take maybe a minute to minute again if you've never done before start start quite short because it can be uncomfortable but over time you build up and you maybe spend like 5 10 minutes just looking into into your partner's eyes because as as um different uh teachers have said the eyes are the windows to the soul so when you're looking into your partner's eyes and they're looking into your eyes you're looking into their into the soul of that person 
So for me, again, in relationships, it's another great way of connecting with your partner is just not even communicating, but just connecting, you know, holding hands when you go out during your day. All these little things make a difference because remember, the, the first system in the body to to uh, be created is a nervous system. This is why touch is so important. You know, even the research sh- shows with babies, babies who who weren't touched um, or held when they were younger, often have mental emotional problems later on in life. So we know that touch for as human beings is so important. You know, a massage, but even just a hug. I mean, as we know, with a hug, it releases oxytocin. So we know all these kind of things are so important to, to us, but we need to understand what's important to our partner. What does my partner like? You know, for, for a woman to feel safe in a relationship, she needs, needs to feel loved. And for a man to feel um, safe in a relationship, he needs to feel respected. So again, you know, if, if I look at your culture, I go, I think that's where it works really well. You, you see the woman, they, they normally put their, their, their men up on pedestals. They go, you know, this is my man. He's amazing. He does this. He does this. And again, just from my interactions um, with um, especially probably more Eastern kind of cultures, the women are very much more, the men will go, my wife is amazing. I love her. I support her. You know, so for me, I, I see that a lot more in Eastern cultures than I do in Western cultures. Again, we, we, it's just what we've been taught over life. But for me, those little kind of tools like that, they can make such a difference in relationship. It's not, it's not complex things. Communication, touch, just, just spending time with each other. These are the simple things that we kind of forget about. But they're the things that I, I, I kind of feel actually make the biggest difference in relationships. That that's really great. Like it's it's a lot of information. Like I would say, like uh, I, I believe like uh, most of the couples who will be uh, who are the listeners are definitely gonna try this. And yes, I'll definitely recommend like uh, just focus on things and definitely give some time uh, for yourself and for your partner. Definitely things will uh, gonna change. And um, with this, definitely that brings us at the end of um, another enlightening uh, episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Uh, like I hope uh, like you have fi- found our discussion with Dean, uh, the empowerment coach, truly inspiring and thought-provoking. So always remember that your mind is a powerful tool that can shape your reality and determine the quality of your life. So it's always essential to nurture and prioritize your mental well-being as uh, it lays the foundation of your personal growth, success and overall happiness. So we encourage you to reflect on the insights shared today and take actionable steps towards your thinking because it's most important, which is our mind. So whether it's identifying and changing like limiting beliefs and um, practicing uh, self-care or maybe embracing your um, authentic self. So every small step that you take will bring you closer uh, to a healthier mind and also fulfilling your life. So if you have enjoyed this episode and uh, want to continue exploring the fascinating world of personal development, so please uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And we have an incredible lineup of guests and topics lined up for future episodes that will empower and inspire you on your journey. 
and always we appreciate your support and feedback so if you have any questions or suggestions or maybe you want to share your stories please reach out to us through our website and social media channels your involvement would definitely make this podcast truly meaningful so thank you for joining on this episode today until next time remember to prioritize your mental well-being and embrace your potential true potential and create the life you truly desire so thank you and thank you dean for joining in the show and making us like understand with a lot of information and the insights about things we just discussed today so thank you my for pleasure having really great to be connected with you thank you thank you dean